Church, everybody else open your Bible to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Before I forget, we're tonight at, uh, we're going to meet at 6 and we're going to have a work night for whoever can come. We're fixing to make the transition to move the nursery to the next building and that building over to here. We'll be putting together some tables and chairs and moving stuff and, uh, so if y'all can be here and help for that, that's what we're going to do for an evening service. <clears throat> all you folks that say, I can't teach, you can pick up something, so show up, alright? <laughs> And if you don't show up, we'll get it picked up. Alright, looking in Genesis chapter 6. And I'll repeat this, but the Bible talks about uh, Jesus is speaking in uh, Luke chapter 17, I believe in Matthew 24. And he relates the last days to the days of Noah. He said, as it were, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. And so, when we study the life of Noah and, and the environment that Noah lived in, uh, you can look and see that our world is headed that way. I don't think we're there yet. <clears throat> but we're swiftly uh, headed that way to where uh, it's not a whole lot of difference between what's going on now and what was going on then. When you look at this text, um, starting in chapter 6 and verse 5, it said, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil or only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when you look at what the world was like during the time of Noah, the world was full of wickedness and violence talks about the the very intent of the heart was always evil uh also looking other areas of the scripture in second peter uh and different things you see that the world was basically in total defiance of god uh scoffers mockers they mocked those who were righteous they were they were mocking the message that that noah preached the bible said he was a preacher of righteousness and as he built the ark he would preach and compel people to turn to the lord and the people scoffed at him and mocked him and made fun of him and and in doing so mocking God and in so much that's a little bit hot you can turn it down just a little bit in so much that um, it, it said that it grieved God's heart when he saw everything that was going on it it grieved his heart there's a difference between God being angry and God being grieved and so God's heart was grieved and he would destroy man, bring a judgment upon the earth, uh, both man and beast through the, the means of a flood. Now, here's where I want you to get. Let me get this out of my pocket. It's driving me crazy. <clears throat> here's what I want you to get. Because I think there's a, there's so many believers who are, who, who you look at the scripture and you look at yourself and you look at God and you, you believe that God treats you Basically in the same way that he treats unbelievers, okay, and, 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 and I think we get a wrong misconception of God and his grace, and that's what I want you to, to get out of this message, that grace changes everything. It changes everything. And, and, and if you look, and I'm gonna chase a rabbit for just a second, but if you, if you, the men's class, and I taught it with the teenage boys, the parable of the, 
of the talents in Matthew 25, not going out for time's sake. But there was one man in there that, that he was given a talent by God or, or a, a, an amount of money is what that means. And he didn't invest it whatsoever. He wasted it. He hid it in the earth. And when the Lord came back and called him into account to judge him, he said, I knew that you were a hard man reaping where you have not sown. And I was afraid. And everything to do with the way he saw God, uh, what, Basically was what moved him to serve the, or not to serve the way he didn't serve. And the way that you view God, if you have a biblical view of God, it changes everything in your life. And I think there's a lot of people today that, that who are believers. I'm talking to believers who, who you see God as hard and you see God as judgment on you. You look at yourself and you know, you see yourself as just, oh, I'm, I'm like these people. I'm wicked and my heart has evil in it. And, and that's not true. If you're a born again believer, that is not true. I don't care how you feel. You're looking in the wrong way. Because God does not deal with Noah in the same way he's dealing with unbelievers. Noah's heart didn't grieve God. Why? Because of one thing, grace. One because, and Noah was absolutely one of the most righteous men that ever lived. And we'll talk about why that is so. It's not because Noah was so good and so obedient. It was because who Noah looked to in faith. And so think about this. The Bible says that, that God's going to destroy the earth. He's going to destroy the, the people in their wickedness. And this is after so long a period of people continually. It wasn't just like all of a sudden God's quick to judge. God is so patient and long-suffering with us. The Bible talks about it in the context, Second Peter chapter 3, he said that, that God's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. God didn't want any of these people to perish. But but they continued to, to mock and to scoff and to turn away and, and to go deeper into to wickedness, and we talked about last week, when you turn your eyes away from the Lord, and you turn your heart away from the Lord, you're going to go deeper and darker in wickedness, more and more and more, until God comes to a point where, understand, there's a place where grace ends and judgment begins. But but God extends grace, and, and I, loved, I loved the break in the scripture here, where he talks about bringing the judgment, and then he says, but, but grace, but, but Noah found grace, and notice where he found it, in the eyes of the Lord. Think about this, out of millions of people upon the earth during this time, I'm just guessing probably millions of people, one man and his family were looking to Jesus. That's why he found grace. That's the only reason any of us find grace. It's not because you merit something or you're good enough or you do something that causes God to go, oh wow, he's really good, I'm going to show him mercy. No, it's because you, Noah was trained up by, by his parents, by his grandparents in the way that God had, had set forth to worship him and, and to walk with him and to approach him like Seth did, we talked about last week, that he came to God in faith. It talks about that in Hebrews. Offering up the offerings and looking to the promise of God, the Savior that he was going to see him, which would be Jesus. And so that's why he found grace. But think about this, out of all the people, uh, you know, God could have just went, you know what, I'm going to avoid the headache and I'm just going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over. But you've heard us say it before, if you were the only person that lived, Jesus would have died for you. This proves it. He was the only righteous man in his family, uh, a total of eight people. He was the only one who was, who was looking to God. Think about this. While everybody else around him was living in filthiness and perversion and darkness and wickedness and, and total hatred towards righteousness and light and anything to do with it, this one man was continued in his heart to look to Jesus. He continued to believe God. He continued to worship God. And God saw that that, that word there, grace, means favor. 
He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so, think about this. God was willing to prolong the inevitable. He was willing to prolong judgment for a period of of around a hundred years. With all of these people, think about this, all these people who were in defiance, mocking God, basically spitting in the face of God, making fun of and mocking God's God's few people that was that was there and God was like I'll be, I'm willing to put up with that that's a picture of the cross I'm willing to take that because the, the the his life was precious sometimes we make Christianity out to be all about heaven and and you know God just he's not worried about us here and he's not concerned about us here it's just all about getting to heaven well we're not living for this world and we're we're looking forward to what God has for us but listen to me you are precious, whether you like it or not. You're precious in the eyes of the Lord, every single one of you. And I'm talking especially to those who have trusted in Jesus. God looks at you and values your life in so much He was willing to put off a hundred years, go through the whole deal of, of the ark and everything else just to preserve the promises that He had made and to preserve the life of, of one man who had found grace in His eyes. That's amazing to me of what God is willing to go through to show himself to us and to give us what he has for us. And so he deals very differently with those who are his than he does unbelievers. Listen to me, if you're an unbeliever here today, you've never come to a place to trust in Jesus, the promises of God are very different for you than they are for those who have found grace in God's eyes. And for those of you who are believers, the promises of God are very different for you than they are those. You're not just, you're not just, well, you know, I understand what people are saying, but when they say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, you're so much more than that once you're saved by grace. You, say this, you were a sinner saved by grace which changed everything in your life. God does not deal with you as sinners anymore. He deals with you as sons and daughters and saints. And so when you look at what grace, don't, don't take on a, 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 you know, I'm not saying a false human, but don't take on a, a thought process of yourself that basically degrades grace. When you look at yourself and say, I'm, I'm so unworthy and I'm so wicked and I'm, and I'm all these things that the Bible doesn't say to believers. It says it about unbelievers. And I'll tell you, I have been the most wicked person you can imagine. But God doesn't look at me as wicked anymore. Thank the Lord. God doesn't look at me as the, in the same way that he, that he used to look at me. You know why? Because Christ stepped in between me and Him. And now He sees me in His Son, in Christ Jesus, and that changes everything. And so, I want you to look at, at grace and favor. And I, I, I'm going to warn y'all. Y'all don't even know who I, I don't even know yet. I'm just going to do this off the top of my head. A lot of times when I give illustrations, I know I refer to myself and I refer to my family. And I want you to know I'm not trying to tell anybody here, hey, you need to be like us. We got it all together. We don't have it all together. Okay? God knows that. I just use that because that's what I see. I see I can tell you all day long in every area of my life about God's goodness. It's not about us. It's about Him. But tomorrow I'm going to put some of y'all on the spot and, uh, and I'm going to use you for an illustration, okay? And you'll probably be embarrassed and you'll get over it. But <clears throat> when you look at grace in the scripture, such a, it is such a vast topic. You can't cover it in 50 messages. 
it is something that man will never, we can have all the illustrations and we can walk with God our entire life and we can look at other people and we can be amazed and we can sing the songs that talk about God's grace, but, but we can't even begin to conceive and scratch the depths of God's grace and love and, and favor and mercy in our lives and how it impacts us. And, it, and if anything out of this message, I just want you to open your eyes to see Every area of your life that God wants to influence you by grace. You know, sometimes we, 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 we know that we're saved. The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Paul was a preacher of grace, okay? And so everything to do with your salvation is by grace. God's grace and mercy in your life. That's how you were saved. It has nothing to do with your works, your church membership, or none of that stuff. And some of us think that grace stops there. Grace, well, grace has saved me. Mm-mm-mm. You want to walk in it. Because if you're not walking in grace in every area of your life, you're missing it. You're totally missing what you've got. There's so many believers who are unaware what you have been given access to through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, It's not just heaven. It's not just, and that's awesome. No, I'm not telling you what, not just eternal. But but here's the thing: if it was just about heaven, God would have said, and He would have took Noah and his family on. God continued and went through all he went through so that they could continue to live in this life, and they found grace in this life. And God wants us to walk in that grace in this life. Now think about this. I looked up the word and tried to. There's so many definitions that try to explain grace. In this context, grace is, or, or favor, I like to use it because that's the word, it is divine influence. Unmer- it's unmerited favor, okay, D- God's divine influence in your life, His power, the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. You realize that because Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again, at the moment that you trust in the grace of God for your salvation, God washes away your sins. Never, never, to be brought before him again. When you die and you stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, all right, you got a lot of sin to answer for. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, because Jesus already answered for your sin. You understand that? Your sins are washed away. You were filled with the Spirit, the presence of, the, of God Himself with you. And the Bible talks about Romans that you have been given access by faith into all of the things that grace can produce in your life. God wants you to have that. My wife and I was talking last night and about all this and uh, just honestly, I'm overwhelmed by God's grace. But... Um, the more that you look at the scripture, I encourage you as you study through the scripture, look, look at God and see who he is. People say, I don't know what to study. Just, just take the Bible and read it in every section. Don't get so caught up in Noah. Get caught up in who God is and what he did. And, and the one thing that I see, the more that I study, for the years of studying the Bible, the more I see is that man, God is good. He is so good. He is so amazing. He is so gracious. And maybe you're here and you're one of those people, and you know, analytical people, and I'm, I'm one of them that I, I honestly struggle with this early on in, <clears throat> in my walk with the Lord of, you know, God, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? And, and if you think that's weird, you're probably not analytical, but some of you people understand what I'm talking about. And, and you're like, Lord, I, you know, I'm not, if I'm not saved, I want to be saved. Here, I want to give you some, some peace of, of mind through the scripture. When you see Jesus for who he is, do you think that you could honestly, in an humble heart, come to him and look to him and go, Lord, I want you to please save me? That he would go, Mm-mm. 
You didn't say it right. You didn't go through it right. You didn't do it right. He is, he moves heaven and earth. He does it here. Went through everything he went for just so that if you give him just a glimpse to look to him for salvation, he just scoop you up. You know, the song we just sang is talking about the 90 and 9. You remember how it talks about that that when one sheep leaves and it's gone, that he leaves the 90 and 9 and he goes after the one lost sheep. And when he finds, he's the one searching. He's the one going after. You know, it wasn't the sheep calling for him. He's the one going after the lost sheep, chasing that sheep down. And when he gets to it, you notice what he does when he gets to it. He doesn't drag it, bag the sheep. He reaches down, picks the sheep up, puts him on his shoulders. That's what, he, that's what he's trying to, he's trying to convey a message to you. I'm coming for you. I, I'm looking for you. I, I desire with everything that I am to, to save you and to take you and to carry you so that you'll be close to me. You'll be near to me. I have so much for you. Do you not see that? All the way through the scripture. He's so good. Amen. He's good. But think about this in every area of your life. Grace takes us to a higher level of living, not a prideful thing. Okay. Don't get the whole prideful thing, but I'm talking about, you know how the Bible talks about how in Galatians you have fallen from grace? I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about you're not living on the level that grace gives you. When you start trying to produce what you can produce in life and what you can accomplish in life, that's living by the law basically. You know, you're trying to produce all these things so that you can show God you have fallen from grace. You're not living on the level that God wants to raise you to. He wants you to walk in grace. Grace glorifies God. Grace lifts me up out of the miry clay. It causes me to go through and to overcome. You know, the ark is a picture of God's grace. They were, they entered into God's grace. God shut the door. And they went through the flood. Grace doesn't mean you don't face difficulties. It means that you raise up above it and God brings you through it and you overcome when you're living by grace. Grace produces blessings and victories. But most of all, grace draws you nearer to Jesus than you've ever been. Until you understand grace, you you haven't walked near to God. And here's the awesome thing. The more that you look at grace, some people want to... Make grace out to be something that is, uh, well, that just sounds too easy and, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, I, it's a self-righteous thing. They don't want to, they don't want to humble themselves to walk in grace. They want to do what they can produce. They want to be good enough, religious enough, serve enough, work enough, do enough, sing enough, pray enough so that they're pleasing with God. Okay. That's self-righteousness. Grace goes, He is giving me what I can't earn. He is giving me what I don't deserve. He is giving me just out of, because not because of who I am, but because who He is. Unconditional, pouring it out on me, and here's all I got to do. I just humble myself and receive it. And the cool thing about grace is the more that I receive it, the more closer I want to come to God. The more, remember uh, Hebrews, uh, I believe it's somewhere in Hebrews, okay? I think it's in chapter 4, but it says, that when he, when he, when Christ died and rose again, it says, now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Remember, the law had a division. When God gave the law on Mount Sinai, he told the people, do not come near. Don't touch the mountain. Because if you touch it, you're gonna die. The law separated. It was a, there was a boundary there. But because of what Jesus has done, grace goes, come nearer and nearer and nearer. 
I want you to get as close. You're like, Lord, I, you know, I don't want the Lord to know me. Lord's like, I already know you. I want you to come close. You know why? Because the closer a sinner gets to grace, the more that, the more that he becomes like Jesus. The more that he sees the love of God. Sin tries to keep you away. Satan's always going to magnify your sin and your falls and your failures and, and your weaknesses and your shortcomings. God's like, come nearer to me. Come because the closer that you get to Jesus, the less you look at you. Grace takes your eyes off of you and puts it on Him. And it puts it in the hope that grace gives you in Him. Does that make sense? Man, that's good stuff. So when you look at grace, I want to talk to you for a minute about having grace in every area of your life. When you have grace in your heart, that's what saves you. When you open your heart to the Lord to receive the grace that God has for you because of what Christ has done, it raises us to life. It removes all of our sin. It heals the brokenness in us. It brings us into a close relationship to God and puts a whole new purpose in life. You want to see the effects of grace? I mean, the whole, this whole building's full of people where you see the effects of grace in their life. I'm going to pick on, I'm looking at Tracy Durham. And I'm not saying nothing ugly about Tracy, but Tracy, Tracy has had a past, and I'll let him tell you about that someday if he wants to. But, but I, I knew a little of Tracy, but, but I, the grace of God in his life has totally radically transformed him. Transformed him into a whole new person. And, and just listen to different ones, and I'm not just singling him out, but he's just sitting out in the aisle and I see him, and, and, and just, here's the thing, when you talk to people who knew Tracy, I mentioned, I, I was at a, uh, eating with some people and, and I mentioned Tracy Durham and they knew of Tracy prior to his salvation and I, and I was so proud to say, if you haven't, if you haven't seen Tracy since the time that he opened his heart to grace, you don't know him. Because he's not the person that he was. You ought to see what Jesus has done both in and through his life. He and his, he and his wife and the radical change that Jesus made. And all over this crowd, there are people you can see here, you know, I'm going to name off here by Nathan is one of them. I've seen God's grace totally radically change him and, and make him a totally new person. Spencer Pesky, when we was over there this weekend with, um, on the men's retreat, I, I just watched him for a little bit and I thought, man, God, who could deny your grace when you see somebody who's been so changed in their whole heart and everything towards the Lord? Uh, you know, it's just amazing what God can do in your life. Don't think that salvation is just some religious thing. It's something that God radically does inside of you that makes you a new person. And then think about the grace in your family. Say, so, uh, a lot of people try to do family on their own, in their own ways, and what they've been taught. But when you come to God and you have God's favor in your family, you know what God's favor in you? Look at Noah's family. God's favor in his family kept that family in unity, even in a terrible time. They worked together, they served together, they entered the ark together. They're in glory together. That's what grace does in a family. You know, I've known Willie and Tanya for 20 years, and if there's one thing I've seen, just the grace of God in their family and what, what took place from the time that they started walking with God and serving the Lord, and, 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 and the whole family was cool just about, except for Willie, the whole family was saved in one week. It was just like, boom, God's grace there. 
and what you've seen through the years and what God's grace produces in, in a family where there's peace and there's unity in a home and respect and honor and, and contentment there. That's what God's grace does. If you're having all this division and chaos in your family and, and, and no purpose and, and you fuss and fight more and you're one of those families, you don't like to get together on, on holidays and those kind of things or that's the only time that you do anything together. You need God's grace and favor in your family. I don't care. You say, well, we're saved. But the question is, do you have God's family? Are you looking to Jesus to go, God, I want to see what you can do in my family. And I'm going to tell you how to go about that in just a minute. When you have grace in your ministry, oh, man, it produces a fire in your heart. I don't care if there's a lot of other churches that are, are closing the doors and dwindling away to nothing. I think when you find grace and when you see God's divine influence, in your ministry. I'm not talking to preachers here. I'm talking about everybody here. When you, when you, in your service to the Lord, don't see what you can accomplish. God didn't call you so that you could accomplish anything. God called you so that you can go, God, I can't, but I believe in what I can't see at this moment. And I'm looking to you to produce what you can produce through a fool. You start seeing God do miracles that you never thought could happen. Lives that are forever changed. And and some of the things that you never thought possible come to pass right before your eyes. Man, I could I'm not going to for time, but I could go into so many stories of of people that we prayed for. And honestly, there's there's people sitting in the crowd, and I won't say who you are, but people in this crowd that I prayed for you and my wife prayed for you, and other people were praying for you. And in my heart as I prayed, I thought, man, this I won't say who it was, but there's this person I was praying for, and he don't even know I was praying for him. And, and I was praying, God, and this is a giant in my eyes. In God's eyes, it was nothing. But Lord, this is a giant in my eyes. Will you, will you please do something to bring this man to a place where he sees you? And you know, after a while there, I prayed, and it was only, honestly, a couple of weeks. And out of nowhere, he shows up, and I'm like, <laughs> The men on the front, when I seen him drive up, getting out of the truck, the men in the front of the church, they probably thought I was crazy about to get a backflip. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this, of God's influence. I didn't go to this person, I didn't even talk to this person. I just started praying, Lord, you know, this, this I don't even believe this is going to do anything, but God, I'm going to pray and ask you to see what you can do. And it was like, boom. And I'm so amazed at God's grace and what you can see God do. When you have grace in your activities. Some people don't think that God cares about anything but spiritual things, and that's not true. When you bring God into every area of your life, one of the most favored people. I just say something as simple as to your hunt. David London has God's favor. Either that or he can claim for himself. I've never heard him do that. But I, David could go out in the mall parking lot and shoot a giant. It don't matter where it's like, man, you know, I just want to be close to him. Maybe some of that will splash over on me. And, and different areas, and I, and I can look all over the crowd. Because here's the thing, God's favor is visible. I can tell you in here who's walking in God's favor. And you see, it's not the things that you can produce or that you're so greater than anybody else. It's that you look to the Lord and, and, and you even in the simple things... I was on a deer lease with him, and I was on his stands because I was struggling, and I would see nothing. I'd be like, David, I didn't see nothing. He'd go back that evening, boom, you know. I could sit in the stand with him, and he would see stuff that I wouldn't see. But it's because I believe that's God's favor. I absolutely believe that. 
That, that at an, at an area where God's shown His grace and His goodness and His influence, so that when, you know, I'm on this side of the lease, that and I've got the deer coming, and the Lord's like, okay, right there in front of Him. So do, would God do that? I'm not saying God would take away from, but I'm just saying, you don't think that? You don't, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of folk in here that, uh, that I could go into God's favor in your talents and your abilities. But so, you know what the problem is? Some of you want to see what you can accomplish. You never, you never ask God anything. The first thing that I did when we went fishing this weekend, on the way later, I was like, God, please, please just let it be good. Please help me with my shooting. Please put fish in front of us, God. Just need some fish for the freezer. Uh, does the Lord care? 150 fish later, I think He cares. You know, and if you've been over there, I hadn't done that in years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, there was fish everywhere. I'm like, God, thank you. I did. God, right there, I'm like, thank you for favor. Thank you, God, that you look down on us and you care about the simplest things. And uh, God overwhelms me at what he can accomplish. Blow your mind away and, and give you opportunities that, that you would have never gotten on your own. When you have grace in your work and provision, I'm going to hurry. God opens doors that you are unaware of. There are people all over the church at times where you lost your job. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Will you please pray? And you was looking at Jesus and all of a sudden now you've got a better job and a better opportunity from a place you didn't even know existed because somebody called you. That's God's grace and God's favor. It's an abundance that enables you to bless other promotions and positions that you would have never gotten. Think about this. If Noah had not found grace in God's eyes, he would have never seen the ark. He would have never known what was coming, and he would have perished just like everybody else. Apart from grace, they would have been just like anybody else, and apart from grace, believers' lives are perishing. Some of you have areas of your life that's perishing. Because you never look to Jesus to what He can do. I hear it so often when you say, when you're going through all these crises and, and struggles and things that you go through, and I know that we all do, but I'm saying it's a, a continual thing in your life. Pick any of those areas that I just talked about, and it's always a struggle, and you're always frustrated, you're always angry, you're always divided, you're always upset, and you come and you counsel with my wife and I, or Willie and Tanya, the first thing we're going to is your relationship to Jesus. And this is what I hear so often, oh, I'm saved. And then grace grace stops right there. Well, let me ask you, are you, are you walking with God? Are you seeing, are you, are you appealing to God's favor in your marriage? In the raising of your kids, are you seeing what God can do in that? Because if you are, you're going to see what God can do. And so, let me answer it. i got to get you this really quick and get you out of here. How do you find favor in the eyes of the Lord? I think it answers itself. Number one, you know, the Bible says, seek justice, love mercy, and then it says, walk humbly with your God. The Bible says, God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. How were you saved when you were saved? You didn't pridefully come to God and get anything. You came to a place where God's word and God's spirit broke your heart and you were humbled before God and you did what? You looked to Jesus. You turned your eyes towards Him, your hope towards Him, and you appealed to grace. God will you. You didn't say, God saved me. God, I'm here. I'm presenting myself. If you did, you're not saved. But if you came to God in all my heart to go, Lord, I, 
I'm looking to you to save me because I need saving. Then God saved you at that very moment. Because God gives grace to the humble. But you'll notice it says that in in verse uh, 9... This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect. It means morally perfect. He, he sought after God. In his generations, notice this, Noah walked with God. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It means Noah had a close fellowship with God. You can't walk with God in pride. You have to humble yourself to walk with God. What does it mean to walk? It means he sought after the Lord. His desire was for the Lord. That he sought God, that he sought God's way, that he worshiped God in a thankful spirit. That he obeyed what God spoke, that he was repentant when he falls. I'm telling you the same things. And myself, you know what, if I want God's favor, I need to seek the Lord with all my heart. I want to see him, I want to know him, I want to be near to God. I want to worship God with a thankful spirit, not a murmuring, complaining, I never have enough God spirit. Oh, God, you're so good. And I'm so thankful for what you give me and for what you do for me every day in every area of my life to obey what God speaks when He's being. And you know what? Every one of us are going to fall. Every single one of us are going to fail. Do you not believe that when He was building the ark, you think He was just out there smiling and praising God the whole time? That's, that's a fairy tale. Me and Willie were talking about this morning. I said, man, if I'd have been building the ark, I can tell you what would have happened. That's what I do. I would have been throwing a hammer at somebody who was mocking me. You sit there building people like, hey, you idiot. It would have been one of them hot days where I would have lost it. (laughs) But here's the thing. We're all going to mess up. and We're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. Sometimes our flesh is going to get a hold of us. But that don't mean that it separates you from God. It means that you you have the hope of grace that you go, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have hit that man in the head with a hammer. Will God forgive that? Yes. Yes, He will. You know, and then you go pray for the man. But but here's the thing I think a lot of you have trouble with. It's receiving the love of Jesus. If you don't receive the love of Jesus, you, 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 you can't understand grace. Humility causes me to go. And I think some of you do it out of a, maybe out of a right, you know, I don't deserve the love of Jesus. No, none of us do. But it's good. It's so good. It's like a, you know, your kid didn't do anything to deserve the birthday cake. Probably, probably drove you crazy the whole time he was baking it, but you wanted so much. You know, if you haven't, you ever seen one of the little babies, grandbaby, where you set the birthday cake down, and they just go, that mama lets them just whatever, and just, that's what that mama wants. That's what God wants for you. If that baby went, I don't deserve this, I'm not worthy of this, be like, what? Shut up and eat the cake, you know? And some of you need to humble yourself to go, Lord, I don't deserve your love. I said, Lord, I don't deserve your love, but I want it. I want all I, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want you to change my heart, change my life, change my attitude, change it. And the only thing that's going to change it, God, is your love in me. Give me a love for, for other people. Give me a love for ugly people, hateful people, lost people, saved people, your people, God. I want all the love that you can pour in me and whatever's blocking it, move it out of the way. Because I know that I have to have that. I have to have grace. So the first thing you got to do is, number one, walk humbly with God. Number two, be willing to act in faith. Faith is acting upon what we have access to. Hebrews chapter 11 says that Noah, by faith, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved and built an ark to the saving of his family. Faith means our looking for and living for what we cannot physically see at the moment. This is the trouble with a lot of people. 
I'm almost finished, so stay with me. Like you're asking me to, you're asking me to let go of what I have control of and try to embrace something I can't see? Yeah. Yeah, because you understand God is so good and God is so gracious and God doesn't make a promise and not keep it. And so I'm going to continue to press and move my faith. Notice it didn't say faith. Noah believed God and he sat in church and believed him every Sunday and he amened. Doesn't say that. Said God warned him. He gave him a revelation. He gave him a promise. He gave him provision. Everything he needed to accomplish what was done. And, and the Lord's like, this is what's going to happen. This is what I want you to do. He had perfect understanding. This is the things I provided for you to do this. Help and everything else and, and all the material. Now what you going to do? And, and you know what faith does? Faith doesn't go, amen. Faith goes, it's time to get to building. So when you look at your area in your life and God's giving you access, building an ark, trusting in God for the materials, the wisdom, the strength, the help, and the ride to come. And that's why some of you are not seeing God's favor in your life because you're not willing to mix it with faith. You want to see what you can accomplish. The third thing is you got to be willing to be different. You cannot have God's favor and the world's favor too. You can't have it. Some people want to be popular with the world, have the world accept them, the world think they're cool, the world think they're just like them, but I also want God's favor. Can't do that. you got to be willing to be different. What we call faith, the world calls insanity. And there's a lot of people who are, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of things in life because you're not willing to be different. You're not willing to look like a fool. You're not willing to step out and trust God. Think about this. Noah was scoffed at, laughed at, mocked, cursed, and thought of as a lunatic. He would build a while and preach a while, and he was totally rejected. For a hundred years, totally rejected. Not one conversion. And he continued to build and he continued to preach. And he looked like an idiot. But think about this. When the first raindrop fell. If I know people, there was a huge crowd there. When Noah and his family walked up on the ark, all the animals were there. You can imagine the crowd laughing, scoffing. Look at this idiot. Teenagers, you got to be different. And he was there and they were laughing and mocking rain. It never rained. Understand, it never rained at that point. Where's the water? Everybody laughing. You got the jesters out there. He's a lunatic. We need to kill him. Kill him and his family and get him out of our society. That's what we're hearing now. Bunch of crazies. Retarded. All these different things, okay? And then all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. What Noah felt at that moment was very different than what the crowd was feeling. Walking by faith and being crazy, there's going to be people who think you're crazy. And people who call you lunatic. People who think you're weirdos. And all these different things. But one day, what they feel and what you feel will be very different. The last thing is you have to be willing to let go of what you can accomplish and cling to Jesus to see what he can accomplish. I want to close with this. In the day the flood came, you know, it talks about... In in Matthew, Jesus said, in the last days it will be as it is in the days of Noah. And then it says something really weird. It says, people were marrying and giving to marriage, eat, drink, and being merry. I thought, what, what does that got to do? It means that they were so oblivious to what was coming. They were so wrapped up in the world. 
They were so caught up in the pleasures and the cares of life. All, they didn't even think about what God had come in or the message that they had been here preaching. Or Imagine a lot of them just walked by the ark and went, eh, I don't even pay attention to that anymore. He's an idiot. He's been doing that for years. And all of a sudden, think about this. On the day the flood came, people were putting the finishing touches on the new home, polishing the new Denali. I don't know if any of y'all have one of them, but it's not personal. Placing the fresh trophy in the display case, cashing the big check they had worked all of the overtime for, putting luggage in the car for the two-week vacation. They were fishing in the new bass boat. Nothing towards you, brother. (laughs) Getting all dressed up for the hot date that evening. All of the things they had accomplished, living the dream. And in the next moment, they were engulfed. One moment away. And I'm not talking about these things wrong. I'm talking about if that's your life, if that's what you hold to, all of your accomplishments, what you can do to build up what you call as, now this is life. Whoa, it was gone. It was over with. It was done that fast. And they didn't even see it coming. You say, man, Noah spent all of his life building art in misery, being weird. He was different from everybody else. He was mocked. He was made fun of. You know, I love the Lord, but I ain't doing all that kind of stuff. Think about this. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When the flood came that day, he and his family were holding on for the ride of their life, safe in the ark of God. He was reaping what he sowed. When it was all said and done, the Bible says the ark rested on the rock. Or the highest peaks of the mountain. And you think about this. When, when God opened the ark door and Noah and his family walked out, they became the inheritors of all the earth. The Bible said the meek will inherit the earth. What everybody else was, was striving and, 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 and doing everything they could do just to get a piece of, he humbled himself, he walked with God, and God said, here, I'm going to give it to you. That's what grace is. Grace is God's giving you what everybody else is working to try to accomplish and they come up empty. There's some of you here this morning that need to consider God's grace and salvation in your life. And maybe you're here and you never trusted in Jesus. You never come to a place where you considered it and took it seriously. There's coming a day, another day of judgment. I want to be that preacher of righteousness to warn you. Because there's coming a day and you think about this. You look at Christians. Maybe you're one of those. You look at Christians now. You know, hey, babe, I ain't giving up this. I ain't turning that. And you're going about your life. And you, you've got all your toys and your trinkets. And all these things that you think is going to give you life. And all, all of that. Think about this. When all of a sudden that rain started coming down. The door was closed. Those people were beating on the side of the boat. Clawing, scratching, screaming, crying, begging. Let us in. We believe now. It was too late. It was too late. Because there's a place where grace ends and judgment begins. And if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, why, I don't know. But will you give up what God has for you for what you have in this life? For what you have in this world? Then you're not seeing God correctly. You're believing what the world's telling you about Jesus. And you need to look at God's word and go, He loves you so much. He's got so much for you. So good for you. A life that's beyond compare to anything this world has to offer. Because one day, He's going to come back. And it's going to be in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. 
And that's where grace ends and judgment begins. And I hope and pray there's nobody in this crowd that's going to be swept away. And if you're here and you need Jesus, you don't got to walk down this aisle. You don't got to go through no ceremonies. You don't got to come up in front of people. It's right where you are. If God's dealing with your heart to go, you're lost and I want to save you. Why don't you just humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and look to Jesus because God saved me. I want to receive what you have for me. And as God's people, when you're looking at your life, what area of your life are you not walking in God's favor? Because it comes down to a place of just surrendering and going, okay, Lord, I've tried it, and I've tried it, and I've tried it. And now I'm going to let go, and I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I want to see what you can do. Or you can leave pridefully. And you can do your own thing, and you're going to get what you can accomplish, and you're going to be very disappointed. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, and I just thank you for this group of people. God, I thank you for uh, their desire to to know the truth. Uh, Lord, I just pray that your word would speak to each one of our hearts today. Uh, Each one of us have different needs. Uh, different places in life, different areas where, God, we are in desperate need.